Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to discover all of our previous episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter at irish underscore tech news and on Facebook at facebook.com slash irish tech news. Thanks and enjoy the listening. Hi. So today on the Irish Tech News podcast, uh, we have a, a great fintech influencer, somebody who we've interviewed a, a good few times and looked at his work uh, and had an ongoing conversation over a good few years. But uh, I thought it'd be interesting to have him on. So who do we have the pleasure of talking to today? This is Jim Roof. Awesome. So look, uh, Jim, thanks for coming on. Uh, I know we've been musing about how... Um, how things used to be in terms of going to events and meeting up. So I guess, first of all, uh, for those uh, who are new to you and what you do, how would you describe uh, what it is that you do? I, I guess it can be just be just best described as I'm a fintech follower and a banking, um, legacy banking, uh, uh, I'm a legacy banker, I guess is the best way to put it. And, uh, I've moved from being a banker to serving the banks in various different roles. And then uh, over the last eight years, I've been writing about the banking industry, and, and that's expanded into doing reports on the banking industry, doing podcasts on the banking industry, webinars, you name it, the media, you know, whatever media is out there, we're, we're pretty much using it. But it's, 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 it's an interesting role in that what I do is I actually, while I don't build anything, I follow and expand upon the thoughts in the marketplace. So if, if you're a mid-sized banker or even a, a, a person who works at a large bank, and you want to find out what's going on in the marketplace, we try our hardest to provide a gateway to that intelligence. A lot of times we'll write articles about other research studies, give our perspective, and then let the person actually link to the actual resource. So we serve as a, as a gateway to intelligence and insight. And as a result, you know, what, what's nice that keeps me young because it keeps me learning um, every day of the week, every month of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, I, I think it definitely does. And, you know, uh, following your output from Twitter and everywhere else that you put it out, uh, definitely and like you say as, as you're a filter it makes you uh, analyze and assess what's coming across your path. Um, so, it, in this context, uh, one of the things I've been wondering about in terms of you is, is you, you advise uh, banks, uh, one of the things is how to deal with digital disruption. So with the last 15 months that it's been, so Ireland's had three lockdowns, the US has done it in its own way. Um, are you being asked different questions now in 2021? Has that conversation evolved uh, a lot s since we've had the global pandemic? Yeah, I, I guess what, what the biggest change, um, and it's no surprise, is that while before March of last year, there was a lot of discussion about digital transformation and, and what's important in that field, on March 12th in the U.S., it was a culture shock that immediately everything shut down. I mean, I was in um, Phoenix, Arizona. I'm, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, about to go to the 20th year visit of seeing my baseball team in spring training. We flew out to Phoenix and um, mid-morning, there was an announcement that not only had the baseball season be sh been shut down as we knew it, but also NCAA basketball. It was about the, it was about the beginning of March Madness. And um, it, it really was a culture shock. 
But what it was, was the, the beginning of everybody shifting to digital. And so what was something that was out there on the horizon and something that banks knew they should do became something that banks had to do. It was no longer optional to have a way for a consumer to open an account by, by digital means because they could no longer go into branches. And so what ended up happening, I think the biggest change was the mindset from both the consumer and the banking community that the digital reality was now upon us and we had to do something about it. What was interesting is in research we did had done for the digital banking report is we found that when we asked things such as what's your digital transformation maturity, what's your innovation maturity, and what's your data and analytics maturity, and we asked this in the fall, um, we found that financial institutions ranked themselves lower in all three categories despite doing amazing things between March and the fall to make it so their consumers could could bank digitally. But I think what the reality was, was the marketplace is moving much quicker than any of us ever would have imagined. And the expectations for the consumer, who is now impacted by Amazon, Google, Netflix, Zoom, and various other digital platforms, is that the consumer's expectations rose exponentially. And so what we thought was going to be a landing spot didn't become a landing spot, just, but just a short stopping zone. And, and actually, the longer we're in lockdown, the more likely it is that the consumer's expectations are going to even grow faster. Yeah, look, uh, I think you're absolutely right. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, all of us are also individual and consumers in this. So, so if we get a level of service delivery from other sectors of our lives, then we, we're going to say, well, look, you know, I, I got it on the other things I did. So why can't you deliver the same things digitally and virtually that I get in other aspects of my life. So uh, like you say, I, th I think our expectations uh, rose because we saw that if, if sectors A, B and C can do it, then really why shouldn't you know the banking sectors do it too? So um, therefore, uh, UK, US, uh, you know, Israel's cases are starting to fall and we can start to discuss a potentially post-pandemic uh, world again. Um, are we going to flip back to how we used to do things or, or is it going to be a blended future? Like how, how do you see the next 12 to 18 months in terms of delivery of services and the way we do things uh, looking like? Well, at least for the US and the UK, branches won't go away, but the need for them has dropped tremendously. So what had been in the past, and I'll use the US as an example, what had happened in the past were branch visits had dropped 60% over the previous 10 years. I believe that from what every, all the research we're doing right now, it's dropped another 40%. And the consumer now knows they don't need to go to a branch to get a, a check cash or to deposit money. They know how to take a picture with their phone. They realize that they can visit a, a banker via video or audio in much the same way they could have done it in person. Um, they, they know now that they do not have to open an account by visiting a branch. So, what happened is I, I think what we're going to see is a blend, but a heavily, heavily bias towards digital opportunities. I mean, you know, you, you think about what the consumer has learned in the last 12 months and their expectations are that, you know, getting to a car and going someplace is a lot more difficult than simply transacting at my, my desk or on my phone mm -hmm. in, a, in much the same way. You know, doing transactions. I mean, we, we've seen a major shift 
in transactions from cash and cards to to a mobile banking uh, app. So mobile apps. It, it's interesting. You know, somebody told me the other day that they said, "What was the last time you took cash and spent money with cash?" I said, "Interestingly, I had my wallet locked in my car, or a couple of cards locked in my car for those emergencies that somebody didn't take mobile um, payments." Everywhere I go, and actually I select places based on their ability to accept mobile payments. I don't want to take out a card. I don't want to pay in cash. And it doesn't have to do with just the pandemic. It is easier. I, it's just a faster way of transacting. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, and and absolutely. Um, uh, I I can't even remember the last time I used cash and I'm not even being flippant, but, you know, like, you know, I, I pay for the fuel with the card. I pay for the coffee with the card, you know, um, or yeah, it, it's, it's funny. Like, I think before we said conversations about how soon we go to a cash society and people would make uh, predictions from five to eight years down the line. But 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 the pandemic has just nudged to the expectation, why do I have to pay in cash, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. And, and it may not just be because of the pandemic. It's easier. I think what the pandemic's done is made us aware of how easy we want to make our lives. So mm. a, a big challenge is, you know, day to day, if you're teaching your kids at home because schools are open, or if you have two people working from home at, at shared spaces and you realize how valuable time is, you're going to find the easiest way to do everything in your life. You're going to start having your groceries delivered to you as opposed to going to the grocery store. You're going to realize that, you know, takeout with Uber Eats or some delivery service is not a bad way to have your meal delivered at night. Or the fact that, you know, when I'm doing my banking, I can do it all from my phone. And so we're not going to go back to the branch. Yes, there'll be those instances where we do but they're going to change tremendously. And I think the biggest challenge right now is financial institutions, their first wave was to enable digital interactions with maybe account opening and loan applications. Now they've got to fine tune them because the reality is our research shows that a typical new account application or new loan application on a mobile device takes between 10 and 15 minutes. That is unacceptable in a digital world. No consumer would stand for that. So what happens is a consumer may start a process digitally because it's enabled that way and then realize, whoa, 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 whoa. you're asking for nine or 10 or 20 different pieces of information and I've got to type it into my phone. I'm going to abandon that shopping cart. I'm going to go someplace else. And the next option may most likely be an organization that enables you to open that same account in about a minute or a minute. You know, I, I, I use Apple Card as the example, the Apple credit card. It's it's four screens and most of it's pre-filled. You're just validating that the information is right. Mm -hmm. Financial institutions now, being digital is not enough. Being digital in the way the consumer views your ability to do digital is what's important now. Yeah, look, definitely. And like you say, I mean, and, and it's that thing, if, if, if you're left hanging for too long, like you say, you're going to abandon it because you know that others can do it faster and quicker. And and, and we want to spend our, our time on other things and, and not that. So uh, that definitely makes sense. Um, well, that's why, the, that's why the fintech players are making headway, too, because they they were built digital. So they were built to make it easy. And so, you know, when I go and say I want to open a savings account, <clears throat> I may go to my traditional financial institutions initially. But I may end up at Acorns or one of the other, you know, investment sites 
that allow me to have money taken out of my account automatically based on my balance level. Or instead of taking out a loan with my traditional financial institution, I may take it out with one of the many, many, many digital lenders. Or maybe I'm not even thinking about a loan and I'm, I'm about to buy and make a major purchase. And I, I get an offer for buy now, pay later option that says I can spread this installment over six months. And I'm going, you know what? With the marketplace the way it is right now, for my peace of mind, it may make more sense for me to pay it in installments rather than taking all the money out of my account right now. What, what trends are you most excited about? Um, uh, are the ones that you think could be transformative, if you feel that any are? Yeah, I, I think some of the, the major trends that we see right now is a trend towards simplicity and ease. And, and so it's really taking steps out of processes. So we're, we're going to see organizations really start to embrace the fact that they've got to feel more and act more like an Amazon or a Google or act more like a Netflix where a, a financial institution will provide me a recommendation proactively based on my activity and based on what they know about me in much the same way that Netflix makes the decision as to what the next movie I should watch is based on my view and habits up to date. The consumer is going to expect organizations to use data much, much more effectively not just to know about me within their organization, but to know me, understand me, and reward me as a consumer proactively. So it, it's not going to do any good for you just to know me when you need to. It's going to make a big difference to know me when I need you to and, mm -hmm. and when I have a, a need in my place. So I think the two major things is to, to the, sim the simplification of banking that organizations are going to realize they've got to take steps out of the processes that were once done in the branch and make it so it's extraordinarily simple for a person to open an account, get a credit card, get a loan, transfer funds, all the steps, and they're not going to need multiple steps. And the second part is they're going to have to be much, much more data and analytic mature and be able to use the data analytics in a way that serves me proactively as opposed to simply responding to what has already happened and tell me, you know, give me statements of what happened over the last month. I, I want to know how you're going to serve me in the next month before the month even happens. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 and you know, and, and the ones that do are going to be the ones that you're like, well, yeah, you, you, you almost, you didn't, it would feel like they've read your mind, but actually they've just read the signs. And, and like you say, they're there when you're thinking about the thing you're about to do rather than just telling you what you spent. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we we were talking with uh, Brett King uh, in the autumn, and you know uh, we both feel that there's a lot of interesting things coming out of Asia. So much so that you know he plans to move there uh, quite soon. Um, how much inspiration uh, and impact on your thinking is affected by what what you're seeing coming out of Asia in terms of uh, innovation in this area? Well, I'll tell you what, my last global trip um, in 2020, I guess it was beginning of 2020, was to, uh, um, to China. And, you know, to see what's been done with WeBank, with Tencent, uh, with, uh, you know, Alibaba, and, and with everything that's going on there, and their use of data and insights to build experiences that are really transformative. Um, to be able to use digital technology information um, 
and, and the ability to put those together in a way that serves the customer. I think you know, you've, you've got to look to China to see what they're doing and how they're doing it. You know, I, I just wrote an article today for the financial brand on how PayPal has said they're going to they're going to become the next super app. And what they meant by that is they're going to combine a lot of different capabilities that they have. And they're going to actually make it so it's easy for the consumer to buy things, transact for things, pay for things, um, get rewards, um, all of, under one app. And, you know, with a number of consumers that PayPal hits, with another con- number of consumers that companies like Alibaba hits or, or some any of the big players, and to use that platform as a gateway for simplified financial services that are embedded in my life, where I don't have to think about it, but that they happen automatically. When I get too much money in one account, it transfers to another. When I want to take out a loan, it, it paid back in installments that are not based on normal installments, but based on my availability of funds. Um, mm-hmm. And the yeah. entire process is done in such a seamless and easy way. It really changes the way we look at all activities we do digitally. And I, I think Brent's right. You know, he's he actually has made his move, believe it or not. And he's uh, he's he's over in the uh, you know the uh, Far East. And and but it, but it's interesting. And I, I think we we still have to look to China for the guidepost on what's what's available, um, what can be done. I think we're going to see a lot of acquisition of fintech firms by traditional banks as they want to innovate on a rapid scale in a in a fast way and in a way that saves time um, for them to get products out there. We're already seeing this. We're going to see partnerships. We're already seeing Google sign up partnerships with traditional financial institutions as big as Citicorp to provide a better platform for banking. But I think what's 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 my warning, I guess, for traditional banks is that um, while most traditional banks will not necessarily see consumers leave them, the relationships are leaving them. Uh, consumers are learning what's available out there. They're learning what can be done. And they're already using a lot of these providers that are eating, around, eating away around the edges of the traditional financial institution and making it so that you know banking's really changing whether or not the bank's want to play or not. Yeah, look, uh, definitely. And um, uh, one of the questions that I was going to put to you, because uh, it is related to this, is, you know, the, the rise in awareness, usage and volume of people using blockchain-based digital currencies. Um, so, I mean, I guess, you know, um, it, it goes on crazy, crazy roller coaster uh, volatility aspects in terms of price but on the other hand the the financial fees for moving things via a bitcoin or an ether are just so much less than what the banks have been doing so um are, are we at the point where we're seeing a lot more people using uh, digital currencies as part of their portfolio of how they do things now uh, like i guess what's your take on it are you kind of uh, close to that or watching it from a distance uh that's interesting um Obviously, there's a lot of activity in uh, digital currency right now, cryptocurrency, and I think um, it is right now still, in my mind, not being used as a transactional tool as much as an investment or speculative tool. I don't, I don't see in my normal daily life um, very many people or companies 
accepting uh, uh, Bitcoin as a payment um, device, even though they some are. Um, what I see is, you know, a lot of the players right now, a lot of the reasons why organizations are embracing is, is because it, it brings engagement. I mean, PayPal and, um, has has made it so that you can you can have a, a PayPal uh, crypto account, Bitcoin account. Yeah. And the reason why they do that is not because people are making a lot of payments with that, but because as the marketplace is, is going up and down so rapidly, it makes it so their customers, you know, the one third of the younger customers that, that have that um, are looking at their phone and looking at their app um, multiple times a day, which is what most of us are looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, and like you say, PayPal, uh, you know, they, I recently saw that, you know, their their profits are up 200 percent since they announced that. But, you know, therefore, I guess it just is it brings good attention to them. And like you say, I mean, if, if people have constantly looking at their phone all the time, then they, it's going to correlate the two things. Um, you, you're podcasting more. And, and, and I've also, you know, followed, as you've explained about some events you've appeared at. Uh, uh, digitally, or you've recorded it and things. So, I guess, what, what what's your thinking behind doing more podcasting? And and do you see perhaps a future where you are uh, traveling less because you're communicating in a different way, or or how do they all mix together for you? You know, I can't I can't give you a projection as to what's going on for travel right now. Um, what what the podcast has done, and it's been very interesting because I did it just to test the waters as to see you know. It's just the channel I want to be involved in. And immediately upon doing it, I realized it was such an amazing way to reach out to, to people that have unique thoughts, some insights that, that the marketplace may not hear otherwise. And of all the things I've done in my career, nothing has been a bigger and greater education than my podcast, Bank Transform Podcast. On a weekly basis, I sit down with somebody for between 30 and 45 minutes to discuss what's going on in the marketplace. And these people bring so many interesting thoughts. And as you start to look at them in, in combination with other podcasts that I've done, episodes I've done, you start to, to, to gain a, a greater insight into what, what's the difference between the traditional and the non-traditional bank? What's the difference between the way a a fintech firm thinks and the culture they have versus a, a traditional financial institution. What are some of the ways that that some of the leaders in the marketplace are saying the marketplace is going to change that may have a perspective that's vastly different from mine? And, you know, it, it, I hope, at least with my podcast and I know with yours, what you hope to do is, is enlighten people that listen and give them an, a gateway to new insights that they may not get otherwise. Um, my goal is to make it so it's as informal as possible, so that it's easy to consume on a, on a short little, you know, 40-minute snippet of the day. But more importantly, to bring people to the forefront that, that people may never have thought of listening to or knowing what they're doing. I had a, a person on the show last week that, or I guess it was two weeks ago, from People's United Bank in, in Connecticut. Now, it's a small $60 billion bank. But he's the head of digital transformation at the bank. And it was enlightening to find out how he is addressing digital transformation. Well, the next week, I had a, a person on from Google Cloud who's in charge of financial institution uh, partnerships. And she used to be the head of uh, FinTech for, for Citibank. 
and Yolanda Piazza, it was an amazing difference in interviews, but both were enlightening from the perspective that if you're a financial institution executive out there, or you serve the financial services industry, these people really have their finger on the pulse of what's going on or ways maybe to solve a problem you may not have thought of before. So the podcast has been just a phenomenal opportunity for me to, to expand my knowledge and hopefully expand the knowledge of people that can drop in and listen to the podcast. Yeah, uh, I, I hear you. And, and I think they have been great because like you say, you can, you can pull one person in like that and then you go, you go deep on that particular thing that they're doing and it's really insightful and, and you get a much better sense of who it is, who they are and what they're doing. Um, yeah, and, and so, I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate too because I, I've had some great guests on the show, and, and we reach out. We sometimes shoot a little bit too high, but what's interesting is we've been very fortunate in that you know the guests I've had helped to promote the fact that a new guest I'm trying to have on the show is is says yes to us. Um, it's exciting for me, and as I said, I do it for my own knowledge and hopefully for the people that want to learn at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So it it is win win definitely. Um, touching on that, um, wh wh where do you go to for your sources of information and inspiration? How how do you keep your finger on the pulse and uh, get a sense of what's what's happening? Oh man, that, that's a great question, Simon. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because you Twitter is one of the places I go to see what's going on, what's happened. We're fortunate in that the financial brand, you know, we, we've been in existence now over 15 years. And to be able to have organizations reach out to us and saying, hey, we just published a new study. We'd love you to cover it if you can. So, you know, all the major consultancies, all the major firms out there that are writing about the banking industry, reach out to us and, and send us the research, which allows us to continually fill our educational bucket and then determine if we want to share it with others. Um, in addition, um, some of it's just, you know, reading the news. Uh, there's so much going on right now. And, and, you know, the emails I get every day, there's not a day that goes by that somebody doesn't hit me with something I didn't know what's going on. And because there's so much going on, and I go, you know what, that's something that I think I'm interested in. And I'm, I'm lucky in that I, I think that the people that read the financial brand, that subscribe to the digital banking report, that listen to the Banking Transform podcast, they kind of are somewhat like me. They, they want to learn about things that are really happening today. And, and the thing they want to take away is they want to be able to know what does it mean to me? And, and what does it mean to me as a mid-size banker, as a large banker, as a solution provider? So, you know, we started putting in some of our articles, why it matters to call out things that, you know, on, on the outset, you may say, well, why do I want to read this article? And then you scan it and go, oh, it does apply to me. You know, the, I, I bring up the article I published today on PayPal, want to become a super app. And a, a mid-site bank may go, okay, nice to know, but don't need to know. Why well, I, I try to bring points out in the article that say, yeah, you, you better know this. It's a big deal. And it's going to impact your job and your day. If it doesn't do it today, it, it's going to do it by the end of the year. And, and why does it why does it matter? So, you know, it, it's I, I I'm very fortunate that we get so many things across our desks. And then it's a matter of saying, OK, which ones we pay attention to. Yeah, like you say, and I think it's a role that, that, that both you and I play that we're kind of curating and filtering. But then 
interpreting why we think it's interesting and of interest to other people. Uh, and, and I think that's that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because lots of stuff happens, but but what's relevant and what's going to affect. So, uh, yeah, I think that is the, the important service almost that you provide. Um, well, you know, so look, sometimes it's, it's, it's looking at a 20 page article or a 20 page research study say, how do I pare that down to an 850 to 2000 word um, article to make it easier to absorb and then you know, as we all do, we, we provide links to the study. So if, if you want to do the deep dive, if you want to really find out more about what's going on, then this is the way that, you know, here, here's where you can access the, the full report if you want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I think you have to do that because then people can follow the source to follow the lead to its origin. Um, so, look, it's it's really good to talk to you and it's very interesting. How can people learn more about what you do and the reports and everything that you do? Well, Simon, as you know, I'm far from invisible, um, be it good or bad. Um, I'm on Twitter, um, Jim Maroos, or it's, uh, I guess it's, uh, it may be Jay Maroos. Jeez, what is my profile? Now, now you're, you're making, okay, so it's Jim, M-A-R-O-U-S, <laughs> on Twitter. I'm also on LinkedIn. I am I am the host of the Banking Transform podcast, and the podcast available on all major podcast channels. And also, I contribute at least twice a week to the Financial Brand, which is a, a publication that's free that provides as much insight as you could ever absorb that would be pertinent to your daily life as a financial um, executive or as a an executive of a firm just tries to serve the financial service community. Awesome. So uh, I look forward uh, to uh, following you and we'll include all the links so people can um, do that and then they can validate that we'll, we'll, we'll put the right Jim Maru Twitter account in. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny. But as I said, you know, as you know, Simon, you know, I'm, I'm far from invisible. Um, it, it's, uh, it's it's a beauty, a beauty and a curse sometimes. So it's, it's good, to, good to be there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Great to be on your show. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. You can sign up for more via our email digest, which does a weekly summary of all our podcasts, or you can follow us on your preferred podcasting platform of choice, or follow us on Twitter, Irish underscore Tech News, or Facebook, or LinkedIn, or the, or the website irishtechnews.ie. Uh, we will bring you more soon, and thanks for listening.